0: We have been going through a series where we are looking at some characters from the Bible. And some of these characters may have been people you've heard of as you've grown up. Maybe you went to Sunday school and you, uh, or in school and you heard of some of these characters. And also some of, the, some of the lesser known characters in Scripture as well. And we've been trying to understand how all of these ordinary people who did ex, ex, amazing things for God, exploits for the Lord were people who had an extraordinary God. Ordinary people with an extraordinary God. Because we can find ourselves often thinking about what, you know, the amazing things that God has done or the amazing things that God might want to do in the world. And we might think, why would God choose me? And as we read about these stories, every person, every character through Scripture, we see, well, if God can use them, then why can't God use me? And when we say use, we, we mean it in the, in the best sense of the word. In the, when it, God is not wanting to use us in the sense that we, we think about when we think about using people in our language. God is wanting to give us opportunity to be fulfilled in his plans and his purposes. And that's what he wants for you and that's what he wants for me. So God chooses the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. Isn't that good news for some of us? <laughs> certainly good news for me. God chooses the weak things of the world to shame the strong. And for each of us, we know our own failings. We know our own weaknesses. And that enables us to look to God and find our strength and our purpose and our plan in him. So I want to say to you this morning, if you haven't heard me say this over the last couple of months, why not you? Why not? God be at work in and through your life to do something remarkable, to do something wonderful. And it might not look like parting of the seas, but God could sow a little seed, a mustard seed-sized thing in your life that grows a mighty tree and does something that you don't even understand fully the fruit of. Because God is at work in your life. And so we want to serve the Lord with humility with obedience and with faith and as we grow in those things we can grow in our ability to see God at work in our lives amen that's what we're aiming to do that's why we're talking about this that's why we're going through this series now this morning you may recognize this rock because this picture featured in one of our previous series whoa we'll get around to that in a moment But we are talking about somebody today whose name means rock. Anybody? Peter. Let's read, first of all, from John 1. Uh, And here we find uh, the situation where Jesus first calls Simon Peter uh, into uh, becoming one of his followers. Um, if you're happy to, and if you can see the words clearly enough, please do read along with me. If you don't want to, that's completely fine as well. We're starting in verse 40. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, Messiah, we, have, sorry, we have found the Messiah that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated as Peter. What a curious first thing to say to somebody. Hello, nice to meet you. From now on, you shall be called. (laughs) Obviously, within this context, Andrew has already had this realization of who Jesus is. He's recognized him to be the Messiah. Uh, They've they've seen John the Baptist uh, proclaim the way of the Lord. And he's understood that this is the Messiah that they had been waiting for. So with a little bit of context, when Simon approaches, it's with that knowledge. And so there's already an authority in Jesus's uh, presence there. And, And so when he says to him, you will be called Cephas, Uh, it was something that Simon would have taken uh, notice of. Now, nearly two years ago, would you believe, we started that series um, under the title Solid. Solid as a rock. There you go. We're all in, straight in. Um, And um, we, we talked about that series because a rock is a firm foundation. It was a series where we went through the Sermon on the Mount, and we understood that Jesus was explaining that those words that he spoke were the solid ground that we could build our lives upon. They were the only firm foundation that we can build our lives upon. A rock is a firm foundation. and Acting upon the words of Jesus are our firmest possible foundation in life. When everything else is blowing around like a, a, a wind, like yesterday. We were trying to do some stuff outside in the garden yesterday, and things were blowing over. When everything else is, is, is raging like a storm, we have the words of Jesus to stand on as a solid rock. And when everything is going on, that we you know turn on the news, if you dare, to see the challenges and the difficulties and the heartbreak that is going on across the world. But we have a firm foundation, Jesus Christ. But names carry meaning, and I, it was only when I was doing, looking, realizing this in the last couple of days that I realized that that, that Marlowe's dad, Marlo, who was dedicated this morning, is Peter. Hey, isn't that uh, was totally by coincidence or providence, whichever you believe? But names carry meaning. And so Simon Peter was being named very deliberately by Jesus. Incidentally, Marlowe, uh, a very quick little bit of research, I think, means "from the hill by the lake." Or uh, it can is another interpretation that talks about a driftwood, which is beautiful and shaped and, and um, isn't that a lovely, beautiful little name. Names carry meaning. And there are occasions in Scripture where God changes people's names. This could be a series in itself. um, Perhaps as we look at some of these other characters as we go through this series. But we know that Abraham, his name was changed to Abraham. Uh, Sarai was changed to Sarah. Jacob became Israel. And here we find Simon became Peter. And another well-known one is Saul becoming Paul. So Peter was called Cephas, which meant rock. And it, he wasn't telling him, hey, Peter, you rock, which, which we might, you know, might want to say that to somebody these days. He was explaining something about what Peter's role was going to be as they moved forward. And later on, we find a, a, a much clearer situation where Jesus talks about this. And he, um, uh, in Matthew 16... And verse 13, it says this. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea, Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. We can take ourselves back to when Andrew introduced him and said, Pete, Simon, Simon, I have found the Messiah. And he brought him to Jesus. But nothing about the time that Simon, had, Simon Peter had spent with Jesus uh, since then had caused him to doubt that. And in fact, here he is still saying, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, Lord, help us to understand what this means to us today. Amen? Now, there are varying interpretations of what Jesus meant when he said, this rock. So, he identifies Peter. He says, you are Peter. And then he says, and on this rock. So, some people would identify that as specifically meaning he's saying, Peter, you, you're the rock on which I'm going to build the church. And some people would understand it um, to be that it was revelation. He says, this has not been revealed to you by human. This has been revealed to you by God. And, And on this rock, so on the rock of revelation... I will build my church. So, as God shows us in the reveals, things, that they will build his, He will build His church on that. Uh, and uh, and then some would suggest that it's specifically the revelation or the realization of who Jesus the Messiah is. So, the fact that um, Simon Peter had identified, "You are the Messiah," then Jesus is saying, "On that revelation, on that realization that I'm the Messiah, on that rock I will build my church." All those people who debate that have got. Much better qualifications than me to try and understand it, but what we do understand is that there's—it's it, not coincidental that Jesus had chosen the name Rock, Cephas Peter, and and spoken to him within this context. So in some way, Jesus was wanting Peter to identify with this uh, this 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 foundational strong name, this 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 stone, this rock on which that Jesus was building his church, be that revelation, revelation of Christ, or uh, Peter as the first, um, perhaps one of the first leaders and apostles in the church. Uh, And later on, in his own epistles, in his own letters, Peter writes about Jesus as the living stone. Uh, the one that the, the builders rejected is Peter that writes those words. So whatever Jesus was saying to Peter, Peter identified Jesus as the foundation stone the one on whom we build our lives. So whatever it was that uh, Jesus identified uh, Simon as in this section, it was Jesus that gave him that rocky name, which cues another song, but I won't sing it. The truth is, though, that Simon Peter was not always solid. He was quite a fiery character, and there are various examples of Simon Peter not being the most solid in certain situations familiar with this story when uh, Jesus goes to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane and he takes his disciples with him and he asks some of them to wait and to watch and to pray. And then shortly after that, the crowd comes and gathers and uh, Judas uh, kisses Jesus' cheek and the Roman guards know that it's him that they are going to want to take away. And in that context, in that situation, we find ourselves in John chapter 18 says this, then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the, the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Jesus commanded Peter, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? Simon, whose name incidentally meant to be heard, Simon was a fiery character. He was one of Jesus' closest friends. He had learnt the ways of Jesus. He had sat under his teaching. He had, Jesus had been his rabbi. He'd followed him round. He'd ministered alongside him and with him. He'd seen the miracles Jesus had done. But on numerous occasions, we see that Peter was on the wrong end of his rabbi's rebuke. Which is encouraging, isn't it? Because we get it wrong, don't we? And sometimes God has to say, look, no. Turn around. You're doing this the wrong way. You are, you're looking at this through the wrong eyes or you're approaching this the wrong way. And in this situation, we see that Peter had great passion. Don't you dare attack my Messiah. I'm going to cut you to pieces with my sword. Passion for Jesus, right? So he had passion for Jesus, but he'd failed to understand the, f- the reality and the fullness of Jesus' heart and his mission and what it was that Jesus had come to do. So he had he'd, he'd passion for Jesus, but he'd not got the actions quite right. Again, is that encouraging for us? Sometimes we've got passion for Jesus, but we're not sure that we've done it quite the right way. So in this situation, he hadn't quite got it right. And Jesus had to rebuke him. And we know else in the other gospel accounts, it talks about living by the sword and dying by the sword. And we know that Jesus had even taught his people to love their enemies. I don't know how it is possible to love your enemy with a sword pointing in the direction. But that's another theological discussion for another day. In the situation here, the passion was there. But there was a failure. But there was a greater failure that was to follow later. Sometimes, God's people can do the wrong things for the right reasons. In this situation, Peter did the wrong thing. He, he yielded his sword and he cut off the servant's ear. But he did it for the wrong reason. Sorry, he did the wrong thing, but he was doing it for the right reason. Because he wanted to protect Jesus. He wanted to... Passion of Jesus, but he misunderstood the assignment. And it can be true vice versa as well. Sometimes we can do the right things, but we can do them for the wrong reasons. I think often the rebuke that the Pharisees received was because they were doing some of the right things and ticking the boxes, but they weren't always doing them with the right heart and for the right reason. And in this situation, Peter's an ordinary person doing an ordinary human thing, fighting, fighting his corner. But Jesus is an extraordinary God and he did an extraordinary thing he healed the ear of his enemy he healed the ear of the one one of the one of those people that had come to take him away and to crucify him we know that Peter had already fallen asleep and been told off whilst keeping watch isn't it encouraging that Peter is one of scripture's great characters Yet we can see the humanity, the weakness. And this was the greater failure that was to come and is often associated with Peter Matthew 26. Jesus has been arrested and he has said to Simon Peter, You're going to deny me three times. And Simon Peter said, No way! Don't you know who I am? I'm Simon Peter, the sword yielding, fiery voice to be heard. I'm the rock. But then we find ourselves in that situation after Jesus has been arrested. Peter was sitting out in the courtyard and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said. But he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway where another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses, and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately the cock crowed. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the cock crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside, and he wept bitterly. One of the stories that Peter is most famous for is this famous failure. But it's difficult for us to point the finger at Peter because we can't put ourselves in his position that night. The fear, the confusion, the pain that was overwhelming and overcoming him. I wonder why it was that he wept. Was it because He'd realized that all this was actually what Jesus had said was going to unfold. Was it just purely because he'd let his Jesus down and he'd realized that and that had come to his senses and and he was just sorry? Why did he weep? We know that for sure this rock, his world had been shaken. The rug had been pulled from under his feet and he was in disarray. And these things, the the sword and the ear and and this denying of Jesus, they are examples of Jesus of Peter being an ordinary person. But the good news is this ordinary person loved, followed, and served an extraordinary God. You may feel like you have failed epically to stand up for Jesus' name. You may feel like you have blown it and Cut somebody's ear off. If you want to talk about that, talk to me later. <laughs> Confession time. You may feel like you have really blown it, but the good news is it doesn't rely upon you. It relies upon our extraordinary God. This picture, in fact, no, no, let me, let me tell you first. Before, before I show you the picture, I want to tell you something. There are some, there are some amazing stories about Peter as well that we're going to get onto. One of them is something which I can relate to, because I have walked on water. It's true; it's a true story. Do you believe? Some of you believe. I can some of you do. Some of you don't. This was the water I walked on. It was completely frozen. <laughs> it was Bolkan Um and uh, it was. February 2018, do you remember that, that crazy cold patch that we had? And it was so cold that that big lake at Balkan had frozen over. And so I was able to actually very tentatively and for only a second, just so I could say this, and it must have been for this moment actually, that I have walked on water. I was like, yep, that'll do, and I set myself back off. But the story we're going to read is not about a frozen lake. This is a remarkable true story. Matthew 14. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. Casual sentence, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Obviously, this is a sermon in itself, and I'm not going to launch into a a whole talk all about this encounter. But the most remarkable thing for me in this story is Peter's few steps. It It is obviously incredible, Jesus overcoming... The, the, the laws of physics and walking on the water but Peter that, that fisherman that fiery guy that, that, that ordinary bloke walked on the water we know he took his eyes off Jesus and and realized what the conditions were saying and began to sink but he did take those steps An ordinary man overcoming the laws of physics. But the reason is because his eyes were fixed on an extraordinary Jesus. Amen? And then this interesting dialogue between Jesus and Simon Peter, which happened later. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John. Do you love me more than these? We don't know what the these are, but yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. This was an example, an even bigger example for me than the walking on water of Jesus being an extraordinary God. You may have heard me talk about this before, but three times Peter had denied Christ. And I love the fact that in this story, three times, three times, Jesus gives him the opportunity to affirm and express his love towards him. Peter was still struggling to get it. He got wound up and upset and annoyed and hurt because Jesus had kept asking him the question. I believe looking at the Greek that the first two were one type of love and the third one was another type of love and that may explain some of the process and the the progress of, of what Jesus was asking. But He had struggled to get it in that moment and he was hurt. But I speculate that in the years that followed, as Peter thought back to this time, to this moment of Jesus looking in his eyes and saying, Peter, do you love me? This is, please, this is not a theological doctrine. This This is my thought that this might be the case. I think that Peter would have reflected over the years and gone, I denied him three times. And yet, in that conversation, I was able to express my love to him in three moments and in three ways. I believe that he recognized that that was a gracious encounter with Jesus. And we know that Peter goes on from this place, from this time. Peter is reinstated, having failed. Jesus and the Lord uses him mightily. Acts 2, the birth of the Pentecostal church. Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And he went on to explain how this was fulfilling what had been written in the Scriptures. And many, well, thousands were added to the church. Peter gave the first ever Pentecostal sermon. And we know that as he carried on through his ministry, as we read through the Acts of the Apostles, that miraculous power marked and followed this ordinary man's ministry. Because he was remarkable? No. But because the God that he loved and served and worshipped is remarkable. People were healed by this man's shadow. Isn't that an anointing we'd like to see at work today? People being healed as we walk by them. Or people coming as they did to the apostles to get healed. Peter had a miraculous escape from prison. Now think carefully before you say whether you want that one to happen to you or not. <laughs> because to escape from prison, you've got to be in prison in the first place. But we'd love to see the miraculous power of God at work in our lives in that way, wouldn't we? But we also know that Peter continued to have some normal human experiences and some normal failings. He had some interesting theological debates and discussions with the Apostle Paul and the other Apostles about things that they were seeing from different perspectives. He had fallouts with his friends and his ministry partners. And sometimes we think that because we've got the holy spirit because we've become christians because we are we are we are we are being made righteous and being sanctified we expect ourselves and those around us to aspire and sorry we do aspire but to attain to some levels of perfection we need to take that pressure off ourselves and realize that we are all still human we are working towards being who in completion who god wants us to be and one day we will when we see him face to face. But don't expect perfection of yourself. Don't expect perfection of others. We're still human. And although Peter had his fallouts and his issues, God used him mightily. Mightily. And Peter points us towards the bigger picture. In his epistles, Peter often was writing to those who suffered or those who'd been subject to scoffers and those who were at risk of deception. And the same things can ring true for all of us today. And so when we read the words of Peter, as I was reading through his epistles, I was thinking, yep, yep, yep. We can relate to so much of what he, the context that he's writing into relates to us today. But he points us through all of those things to look to Jesus and to cling to Jesus through every challenging day. So the last passage I want to read is 2 Peter 3. So he closes his epistle off. His final words that we have from him is this. Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position, but grow in the grace of And knowledge of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Peter points us to the rock. He points us to Jesus. He tells us that in every situation that's going on. That we shouldn't fall from our secure position. Because we have our feet planted on solid ground. Jesus Christ and his teaching and the words he spoke to us as we put those into action. So I want to say to you this morning, as I finish, do not rule yourself out because you know you have let Jesus down before. Do not rule yourself out because you're frustrated with others around you. Do not take your eyes of Jesus do let Jesus define who you are he may not give you a new name he may but whether or not he has renamed you he has rehomed you in heaven he has appointed you his child he has appointed you as a priest in his kingdom so let him define you Let his voice be the one that you hear above the others. Do seek to become a passionate fisher of persons, which is what Jesus had told Simon Peter he would be. And do keep your eyes on Jesus and continue to love him more. Let's pray. If you don't mind just uh, closing your eyes for a moment, just helps people to focus and not think that people are looking around at them. But I want to pray specifically for certain areas this morning. First of all, I want to pray for you if you need God's help to move on from your past mistakes. You know you've done these things. You know there are things that you need to get over and you're struggling to do it, but you want God to help you move on from those things. Second group of people I want to pray for is those who want to let go of old labels and to become who Jesus says you are. Maybe that certain things have been said of you or there's certain things you've believed about yourself. God wants to rename and repurpose and restore. So if that's you, I want to pray for you as well. And then I just want to pray for anybody who needs to fix their eyes on Jesus this morning to fix their life upon him and turn to him. And there may be people who have never done that. So if you've never fixed your eyes on Jesus, if you've never decided to follow him as your Lord and your Savior, made him the king of your life, Being forgiven for your sins, leaving the past behind, becoming a citizen of heaven and walking in him and the eternal life that he offers. If you've never done that and you want to do it this morning, before we pray for those other groups, I just want to invite you to raise your hand and let me know that you want to make that choice and that decision today so that we can pray with you and begin helping you walk on that journey of following him. Is there anybody in the room that wants to do that today? There's nobody in the room and that's fine. If there's anybody who wants to find out more or talk more about making that decision, nothing would give us more pleasure than helping you on that journey. And if you're watching on YouTube, please email. Let us know that you'd like to talk about that more. So coming back to these groups of people, if any of these apply to you, you need need God's help to move on from your past mistakes. You want to let go of your old labels and become who Jesus says you are. Or you just need to fix your eyes and your life upon him. I just invite you to raise your hand just as an acknowledgement. Nobody's looking. The camera's not on uh, the room, so eyes are closed. Just gives you an opportunity to acknowledge it to yourself and to the Lord. Just say, yeah, good, go for it. If it's you, just do it. Just go for it. Be brave and say, yes, I'm going to make that choice. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Yeah. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for decisions that are being made this morning to overcome past mistakes and to move on. Say, that was in the past. God, I know I failed you. I know I let you down. But you give me a new day today. You give me a new name and a fresh start I receive that, Lord, today, and I walk in it. Lord, we break off negative labels and names, negative things that people have believed about themselves. I I break the power of those over their minds now in the name of Jesus. And I ask that only truth would take their place, the truth of what you say about them, the truth of who you want them to be, the truth of your word. Let it reign supreme in their minds. And Lord, for those of us who need to fix our eyes afresh on you, look to you, renew our life in you, Lord Jesus, help us and enable us to do so. We want to fix our eyes on you as Simon Peter fixed his eyes upon you. Lord, we may not be called to walk upon water, but whatever you're calling us to do, we want to do it with all of our hearts, trusting you and walking with you.